0: This is our Thanksgiving episode, so happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. (laughs) We're not doing
1: anything Thanksgiving-y for this. We're all separated across the interwebs,
0: but just would be remiss to not give that holiday greeting. So why not, on this Thanksgiving, let's sit down and discuss- Family. Hillbilly (laughs) elegy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Family, hillbilly elegy, and the repercussions rippling throughout our lives. (laughs) Here we go, let's get into it. We're back again. It's another episode. My name is Evan. My name is Taylor. I read a book this week. I watched a movie. This week we are covering Hillbilly Elegy. It has been lighting up <laughs> the reviews. People hate it. People absolutely hate it. We wanted to take a second and, and preface that we're not, we don't pile on here and we're not criticizing to criticize. This whole show is kind of centered on how do you approach something how do you approach a new piece of television new a new movie so you actually understand the context of it so that you can actually be an active audience member and read into what you're supposed to be following. Evan and I are just the inquisitive vessels. You know, we're not, we're not here to just be negative. So we just wanted to say, (laughs) you know, this is honestly, and this is, and then you're exactly right in that. It's, this is really just what do you not know about these things going in so that maybe you can have a fuller experience for these.
1: So come
0: be a curious cat with us.
1: (laughs) Here we are. Came out in June of 2016, the book, and it was sort of... The reason it became popular, most would say, it was a kind of reverse oracle for rural America in the 2016 election, Mm. because afterwards, people were like, oh, he was saying what everybody else was not saying, or maybe this is a window into... If you were reading it and you had no understanding of that, it could be considered a field guide to a foreign culture, if you were so inclined to think of it as that. But it became the second highest nonfiction read of 2017, 3 million copies. Oh, wow. Uh, written by J.D. Vance of Middletown, Ohio. Just some other, I thought this was, it, because it sounds like, oh, a town in the middle of nowhere in Ohio. The show yeah. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, in the lore of that show, she is from Middletown, Ohio.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then Ready Player One, James Halliday, the
0: creator of the Oasis, he's also from Middletown, Ohio. And speaking of Ready Player One, there is a new Ready Player One book that it has just come out. So if you want us to cover Ready Player One, uh, let us know at IlliteratePod on Instagram. Let us know if you are into the, <laughs> the new Ready Player One thing, and we can definitely do a deep dive on that. Uh, But as you were saying, Taylor.
1: Yeah. As to the origin of this book, J.D. Vance, he was in his third year of law school. One of his teachers was published and got him connected to, they were like, oh, your story, this is crazy how you ended up here. You should write a book about it. And so, um, but it was funny because I was watching some interviews with him and the the interviewer was like the cover image because the book is now in every airport or whatever you want to call it. So he had this, ha- it's this house, it's this right. rural landscape. And he was just like, Yeah, it was just some stock photo from Getty Images or something. It's not like, it's not even <laughs> Middletown, Ohio or my or anything. <laughs> you know, anything about it.
0: <laughs> That's New, New Jersey. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> but then, in terms of what he's doing now, people ask him like are you going to write more and he's like i don't know that was uh, he hasn't written anything else after
0: in 2017 he moved back to ohio that would be but- wild to me because i mean this is his story so yeah. it's that it's not like no uh, creative offense to him but it's you know i he, he can't live another life and this only <laughs> this this exists because it was his life i mean maybe this opened up uh, you know creative doors and he's had stories that he's never realized were novel material w- we're yet to see but i wouldn't be surprised if he you know there and then there's yeah. there's to Kill a Mockingbird, never, you know, she uh, never, yeah, she, she did it. <laughs> like, it. It's like, well, she could have written more stories that because it wasn't her life, you know, yeah. <laughs> name for name. But so I wouldn't be surprised if he never does. But yeah. at the same time, you, you really never know. And mostly he's just contributed to news networks. He's been a talking head pundit on
1: some things. He considered the politics of the Ohio Senate in 2018, but nothing came from that. But he did start a venture capital fund in Ohio for non-coast related startups. So money given to companies that are starting up that aren't in New York or Silicon Valley. Yeah. Yeah. So and then he also started a a nonprofit called Our Ohio Renewal for the opioid epidemic and other things. So he has reinvested back. He's he now lives in Cincinnati. So the question I guess we can talk about to start off with, since this is such a weird word what is a hillbilly and what is an elegy? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what is an elegy? Because
1: <laughs> it, maybe it's a great book title, like when you see it in the airport. Right. It resonates of some sort of li- literary esteem, but as a it, it film...
0: Like, like, almost, if you don't know what it you, know, it, you could distill it down to, like, the title even, like, could translate to low-class... Right, which is really interesting. If and if that's you know if he's talking about this is the sub the, the subsect of society that I'm talking about. What does this mean? And especially him trans, uh, you know, him actually ascending to this other this other realm of Yale. That mm-hmm. would that would speak to both sides of it, which I think is what this is. The book is supposed to do is like to give some sort of context of what in the world is happening in the South, mm-hmm. um, because it is it, at times can be its own world. People do, like yeah. you said earlier just. People could not understand what they're seeing here. So,
1: hillbilly was first in print in a
0: 1900 New Yorker
1: journal article. This is their definition that they gave. (laughs) The New Yorker defining hillbilly. Well, yeah, it was (laughs) what was coined. It was coined by the middle and upper class, and then was is a hillbilly, (laughs) and then it was reappropriated as as a badge of honor. So here's what they said. A hillbilly is a free and untrammeled white citizen of Alabama who lives in the hills, has no means to speak of, dresses as he can, talks as he pleases, drinks whiskey when he gets it, and fires off his revolver as the fancy takes him. And so if you're not that, you're not a hillbilly. <laughs> well, and then there you go. That's the, that's the prejudice associated with it. It's like that's, that's what all that basically hits every single stereotype or trope. Yeah. That you would associate with somebody living in this area, Alabama
0: specifically. <laughs> right? God, it's like it's like there's a whole region. There's a, this is a whole mm-hmm. fourth of the country that that is on a you know it's it, it's a different culture to a degree.
1: And Billy comes from the name William. Which Scots Irish would be comrade, companion, and then hill, hill folk, which was another term. So it's just a mashing of the two. Right. And then where we get all those things from as the frontier pushes further west, oh, yes. moving after the Civil War, this region maintained yes. that sort of frontier characteristic, which then became the negative stereotypes of that. And then the word elegy is a sad song or a sad poem, it's a poem usually dedicated to the dead. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so that's where this is. It's like the hillbilly hardworking ethos has either disappeared. One commentator said it is more of the hillbilly reprimand because he still praises what that Mm -hmm. culture and people embody, but how it's changed maybe. But in an interview that I saw, J.D. Vance said he didn't pick the word elegy like that was suggested by his publisher. He's like, Uh-oh. I wouldn't, I wouldn't use that word. So it's kind of interesting that even he was like, yeah, that's not something that hmm. I necessarily was championing as the yeah. title of this piece. Yeah. But then he said, once I, once I knew what it meant and all that
0: stuff, you know, it, 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 fits. it certainly works. I, I de- it definitely does take something from it to know that it's that it's not his title, right? But it is, it does fit. It is a sad totally, song yeah. or a sad poem about this.
1: Um, but the 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 film. It seems strange as we talk about, oh, it's getting... Kind of like Cats, where it was like, oh, here's everybody that's anybody
0: involved, and then... Critically hated, yeah. It, it's yeah. it's kind of amazing. It, it's Ron Howard at the helm, who's a proven filmmaker,
1: and with true story films, Apollo thirteen, A Beautiful Absolutely. Mind, Cinderella Man, Rush. Like that's his jam.
0: Absolutely. As far as a choice of director, I mean, like that seems like it seems like a good bet to this. Mm-hmm. So on the surface, that's right. You have Amy Adams as the as the mother. She's <laughs> no introduction. She's she's as hot as she can be right now with the Academy and thus forth. Glenn Close as the mamaw. G- great performance, but uh, I, I, at the end of the day, I don't know where this went totally wrong. Because when mm-hmm. I looked at the movie, if I were looking at this script, I wouldn't go, oh, wow, this is a mess. Oh, this isn't saying anything. It seemed to me mm-hmm. that there was something lacking in just the, the minutiae on set, on the day. The, like, for example, JD at one point in the film is pressured, to, feels like he needs to steal a calculator from Radio Shack. So there's a whole kind of tense scene of him going in, the clerk mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, saying, Hi, how are you? Let me know if you need anything. And then the kid tries to just grab it and run. And the guy stops him and berates him. Uh, and the kid stands there. It's not that the kid's performance is bad, it's that there was a lack of decision. And and, it almost seems like even a a closer edit could have gotten them a little nearer to the emotional climax in each scene that they're trying to get to. This is a really delicate subject matter. This Mm -hmm. is a really delicate uh, socioeconomic viewpoint that we're trying to put on screen here that doesn't get Hollywood screen time. And at the end of the day, I feel shocked that it's as clumsy as it is. Right. It doesn't get a a non-stereotypical Hollywood Yeah, screen time. I found myself really conflicted by this because I relate to this. So I'm trying to pick up where the film is trying to go. I'm seeing what it's laying ahead in front of me. But it takes a real person really getting in there, the director, getting in there and feeling it, feeling it for every character. And I feel like that was lacking somehow. Well, maybe
1: as we talk about the book, we'll see where some of those pieces don't quite line up. Just in terms of you bring up Ron Howard, we could say his movies are some might say inoffensive at heart like he right. he just has that good personality and and i think maybe he's trying to have it both ways because the yes. book and the way that i read and would describe it it's like it is both an inspirational tale but also an american horror story like yes. the, it it exists on both those planes and maybe Ron Howard is just trying. He, it's,
0: it's not that the material is bad. It's not that ma- the material is overdrawn or cliché. Uh, it's that I don't know where the focus was on set. I don't know where the focus was in the edit. Uh, right. And, I think so. Here's yeah.
1: Here's where I think maybe maybe the filmmakers were less intrigued by the socio political analysis, which is the heart of the book. That's why <laughs> yeah. everybody picked it up was because they're like, I want to understand. Why what's going on? Everybody said Trump wasn't going to win. And then he was like, that
0: was the impetus. This is 2016. This timing is it's it is consequential. This is huge. Uh, It's so interesting that people run to this because of this reason. And this is what I want to hear more from you is he was trying to grasp on to why this happened to his mom, why that happened to his mamaw. And 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 somehow it did end up to him going to Yale and being where he is. But that is far and few between. It did comment on the social political uh, state of the South. It, I feel like that is not present in the film. And like right. you were saying about Ron Howard not wanting to offend people, it's, uh, I'm, you might be onto something there with edging towards, well, we don't want to say too much about that. And similarly, and maybe we'll get into this later, I had the exact same thought presently while watching the film that they were ignoring religion. In this area of the United States, uh, yeah. as, like it was, uh, it doesn't come up in the film. Naturally, it just doesn't come up in the film. That's a very specific choice when you're talking about the southern United States.
1: <laughs> right. And you want a to talk, it's a hillbilly
0: elegy, and you, and you really want to talk about what these people are facing, what's happening to these people, why this, uh, it's just you matched up where you don't want to offend anybody, so you focus in on the intimacy of the moment, mm-hmm. but you don't really understand it or you're too mm-hmm. fo- you're too worried about not saying this that you forget to say something mm-hmm. possibly i don't and this is all just thoughts here about about maybe where the beginnings of this misstep could have happened yeah and
1: the ultimate irony of it is that the subtitle of the book is a memoir of a family and culture in crisis. And that was the criticism of the book in large part for the people that didn't like it. And that's right. what they've stripped out of the film, maybe because they saw the backlash or they were like, well, we don't want to jump in that camp. But it's like, that's the that, is, of- that That's where it lives. <laughs> I'm just going to jump into some of the stuff that happens in the book and how it's written and and not my take on it, but maybe, sure, yeah. what, what, maybe what's missing from the film involving in, in that topic. So I liked the intro. Because he basically says it's absurd that this book exists in his mind. He's like, I'm writing a memoir, and I'm 31 years old, and I've done (laughs) nothing that a stranger would pay to read. Maybe the coolest thing I've done is go to Yale, and that's about it. But uh, the line that he says, he's like, I didn't write the book because I've accomplished something extraordinary. I've achieved something quite ordinary, but not for where he's from, basically. And so I thought that that was where it comes from, whether or not that holds up over the whole purpose of the book. Yeah. That sentiment holds true. But just like that's the intention going in is hey, that this dude is my that life. Says,
0: hey, your story is crazy. You should write a book because it's yeah. wild that you ended up here. Well yeah. that's kind of the point is it's wild that you ended up here, but there's a there's a lot of people that don't end up there because of these types of things happening to their families, to mm-hmm. them, to their mothers, to their fathers, to their grandparents. This this gives you an insight of what maybe is happening inside the minds of these children going to these public schools mm-hmm. who might, you know, they might act out in class. They might do wild, crazy things. You know, do we understand them? Do we, under, or do they just have an attitude and that's yeah. just the way they are and they're bad egg? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and like we said, the the that's the criticism because maybe you can't do the two
1: things in a memoir like this or just right. being 31 years old because it's like, it's about a kid pulling himself out of the this right. situation by his bootstraps, which is what Ron Howard loves. And then it's <laughs> also the social theories about the culture and framing this socioeconomic analysis over the lens of a personal narrative. Right. He has criticisms about the culture's work ethic or generalizations that he makes. And it's like, can you like in the subtitle, can you write a personal memoir, but also a memoir for a culture? Yeah. And so into some historical stuff, one of the things, the arguments that he makes Potentially, though he doesn't say it outright in this way, is now the term is known as the culture of poverty. A lot of the things in the hillbilly ethos that he speaks to, it's his memoir and he's saying these vignettes and things, but then he also dives into what culturally comes from historically or statistically these things suspicion of outsiders, resistance to authority, devotion to family, and eagerness to fight like all of these things that then become stereotypes in media. Come from somewhere, right? And so right. he incorporates that into his memoiring narrative, and it was—it's very controversial because it's like the argument is very uh, binary: of is it the family generational values, the culture of the place, or is it discrimination, racism, the faults of a larger system? Uh, yes. It's like why are people poor? And and I thought from reading the book, this guy, J.D. Vance, was kind of saying it's both. He doesn't just go into, like, you need to just work harder. But that's what a lot of people got from the book. Or you could get it from the book because maybe he leans more in that way than in the other way.
0: It's so easy. It's so easy for people to want to point to the answer. <laughs> this right. is it. This Or is one or the it. other. And yeah. they want to be the person that said this is it. When in all actuality, the reality is complex. Mm -hmm. And that person's truth and that person's truth might both be factually correct. They're just seeing it from different points of view and they're missing each other's information. Yeah, And there's another point of view for that same instance that nobody even knows.
1: Yeah. And he brings up, he's like, in terms of the balance of it, school could have prepared me better for domestic life. Child welfare services could have put me better in the hands of my mama, like not right. been threatening me with foster care. Like these are the systems that it's like, well, that failed. But he's also like, stop thinking everything is a structural problem from the outside and take ownership of it within your family or mm-hmm. your culture or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Or at least to him. And it's like, well, that's his, that's his thing. So I didn't really get the criticism. I mean, I get it. But it also was like – he's not saying, well, people are just lazy and that's their problem and I got out of it and I'm a genius. Like, he well, they can be de- – I say- think <laughs> this
0: is in- – I'm thinking mostly of the mother because the mother is presented in the story as somebody that had, had great potential but then never, never lived up to it mm-hmm. and that he – still holds her up in this amazing regard. He thinks she's the smartest person that he'd ever met. And he tells this to a a table full of lawyers, (laughs) Yale. (laughs) I'm like, that's not a smart thing to say. But but he holds her in such high esteem that there's some searching here for what was going on in her soul that led her down these paths. Why was it? it? It's a dirty, dirty messy path of right. hurt and pain. People have real pain in their lives. I think the movie kind of summarizes it down to her father passing away and that any the only other person on the planet who understood her and her, her aspirations in life and what she was capable of was totally gone. And that in the absence of the person that believed in her, there was nobody that believed in her, including herself.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so that the, it's these compounding tragedies that dishearten and discourage people from actually
1: living their life. Yeah. And he brings all this up in the book at the end. He says the only emotion I'd never tried with her was sympathy. Oh. And and kind of that, you know, the mixed it's this contradiction of this woman. He's like she sat patiently with me at the hospital for days when I was sick in college and then yeah. lies a month later to extract money from me for drugs. It's like there's that yeah. balance. So it's where we're talking about it's like people want the one thing he says at the end maybe you can't fix these things but you could put a thumb on the scale a little for people at the margins right
0: right and right, that's
1: right. basically what the book is saying he's like hey here's all the thumbs on the scale of my mama the caring men that even though my mom had all of these men in and out of her lives they were nice to me and cared for me right my mom taught me a love of learning i had a protective sister the Marines, which we'll get into, all of these things that helped me. Yeah. Um, some of them, which were, you know, social services or or involved in that capacity. Right. He's just saying, like, it was. I was so lucky that there was. If one of those pieces was missing, how would I? Oh my god!
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I'm um, thinking about where the where the, the the governess almost comes in in the story. I'm only remembering one moment, one key moment where where they had an altercation, the mother and and him in the car as a child, and he runs out of the car and he, Mm -hmm. and it leads to, you know, mamma and everybody being called police show up. Then they're putting the mom in the car, in the police car. And there's another officer talking now to JD who's like, uh, we can get you, we can get her the help she needs. We just need to know what happened if she needs this help. And he suddenly just goes, no, I, no, 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 no charges. Don't just let her go. Everything is fine. And that's the tragedy. And is that at, at, you know, 12, 13 years old, he can't see what really is happening in that moment, what that officer means, or maybe doesn't mean, but the larger opportunity at stake here. And it's the only point in which the film that I feel like the actual, the system comes into play and asks, it does any, is is there anything to see here? And yeah. He, JD himself, says no. Let her go. I don't know. I, it, it, and maybe it's, maybe it be the only moment from, of the film where the yeah. system steps in and says, "Hey, do we need to do something here?" Uh, it just wasn't. It wasn't enough for me to. Well, go, maybe it also it's
1: a it's a facet, and this is kind of what the book gets into. Also, the system clashing with what he describes from his experience as the culture of yeah you protect your family absolutely your business is your business and what happens on your land is your business and nobody else is involved in your business and then it's similarly where it's like the focus on self-empowerment that he has that's not the the whole too big for your britches ethos is like was constantly pushed into him where it's like they he met somebody and they were at a gas station was like she had a yale shirt on and he was like oh she was like, oh, my nephew went there. Did you go to Yale? Even though he's already graduated, was like, well, if I say that, she's going to think I'm a part of some uppity elite and not going right. to, we can't have the talk about the high school football team or whatever it is. And so it's like, he said, no, my girlfriend goes there.
0: That's funny you say that because it's, I, almost, I almost thought that. At the beginning of the film, I swear to God, just because of the way it shot, I thought it was implying that he works across the street from Yale and visits his girlfriend who actually goes there and that he almost got in or was looking for a way in. That's seriously what I what I was thinking in the first scenes. Uh, with his girlfriend at Yale in the in the library, he works right. ac- he works across the street in a sandwich shop, and I really it, I thought it was a saying that he didn't quite get there, but he's, he's as close as he can be, and he, I think that's even a line. And I'm like, what? Well, you're in Yale. You're not cl- you're <laughs> you're not close. But, but that comes from Yale. that, yeah, that maybe that upbringing or
1: something, right? And then, right. And then you right. had right. mentioned church and religion, and that is also featured heavily in the book, which they side. I was
0: very curious about that in the film.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he he cuz he goes into like I said the history of the area and church and he even has some some things where he's talking about like the the idea of church is more important in his experience than like the actual practice of it cuz he said right. his county has the same rates of church attendance as San Francisco, which seems insane cuz that's known as right. very liberal, very. But it's because people, you know, and asked like, "Hey, do you go to church?" Again, that kind of like we stick up for ourselves. Of course they would say yes in a survey, right. but then actually going is right, a different right. matter, but all of the philosophy and spirituality behind it is still there, but just not the actual attendance, right? which I thought was interesting. And then the 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 thing with the Marine Corps and going to the army, that's what gets him out of that <laughs> in the book and in life. It's like when I was reading
0: the book, I thought, oh, here's the critical turning point uh he <laughs> absent from the film. He goes. I mean, you see him towards the end, like he. You get a flashback of him going to, uh, mil to the military, and you know that he's been in the military at some point, but you never really go with him and have any experience there about, and or get any right. understanding because he about doesn't what that go out of school.
1: Meant. He doesn't go out of school and go to college. He goes out of high school and goes to join the military. Which, like, from me and Evan's personal experience, we both grew up in rural Appalachian. Right. I'm yeah. Georgia, I'm, I'm from like,
0: West Georgia and, you know, the <laughs> Alabama line. I mean, uh, you know, yeah. at the opening of this film and looking at these these sets, I'm like, yeah, this I, this is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you and I both know w- this setting. And, and so people. there was there's always some sort of military recruiter
1: in the yes. cafeteria with a folding table telling <laughs> ROTC.
0: Him, <"Hey."> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I just uh, it seems like uh f- for months. For months, that, that there's just people scouring uh, rural mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. high schools looking for new recruits. But you don't, uh, and you had said this off mic, but you don't see Yale you know, <laughs> with a full <folding laughs> set in table. those same. Yeah. You don't see you don't see ROTC set up next to you know Yale and Stanford booths in mm-hmm. the cafeteria at Mount Zion High School. So you uh, see,
1: that's my option. I can either go you know, work for an air conditioning company or join the military, no, those aren't the only options right. in general. But like, that is a big part of the culture and, and place of that area. And it's also- It is like a, a viable
0: the- route out of where you are. A well, full, I just yeah. full stop, it is. Yeah. It is a viable route out of where you are and it is drilled as something very, very approachable uh, at that age in high school. And I just thought from the book, like I said, when I read it,
1: I was like, "Oh my god, this is what got him out of there. This is what <laughs> propelled him." And he, it, there's a whole chapter. I mean, there's only 15 chapters in the book, and a whole chapter is spent on his time in the military and what he learned and how much the Marine Corps did for him. Wow! And when he, how he got mm-hmm. out, when he got out of it and got a haircut, people were shaking his hands. He was treated as an equal, like so just even stuff that like fits right. into the culture of wh- where they mention. He mentions in the book Mountain Dew mouth, which is a pejorative term for. You know, people that are, he said he got Coca Cola in a bottle as a kid because people don't realize, oh, this, and Mama was the person who swatted it away. Like health and wellness and obesity and all of that stuff is not uh, addressed. But he was like, I shed 45 pounds when I was in the military and came back and saw all the food standards that. were fried bologna and potato chips and even blackberry cobbler, like stuff where he's like, oh, this has a bunch of sugar. Like he didn't even have that as a concept in his mind until he went. Right. Because he was saying- It was just
0: existing in the culture. He went out and actually- gained some context went back and 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 understood why and how and then what it took to get him where he is Mm -hmm. that's that's really uh that's really amazing that they've wholeheartedly cut that out of the film (laughs) because it would seem to contextualize almost everything you would he had been through up until that point
1: well and he had even said like the marine corps the thing that they do well is they assume the ignorance of everyone they assume you know absolutely nothing about anything so he you know learned physical fitness he took classes he learned about right. saving and investing right. they had to have personal hygiene like they, all, there are all these rules right. there was a older marine that supervised when he bought his first car and told him to bo- go check another bank for a different loan like all this stuff that he had no idea at all that all came in his experience from the benefit of joining the military right. which uh and then even he said when he was in Iraq he ha- they had like a a goodwill mission where they were giving stuff away at a at a local school and he gave an eraser to a schoolboy and just saw wow. how happy this kid was and that even put into perspective he's like oh i'm lucky even in spite of all the stuff that happened right. in my childhood right. this kid is so happy
0: that he got an eraser I'm so lucky. And that yeah, also his came life from life. Like, what did he <laughs> right. wake up to this morning before he got on the bus? What were, you know, like you just don't yeah. know what's going on in these people's lives and these kids lives because at the, to, to be honest, they don't either. Mm-hmm. They don't yeah. even know when, when something would be wrong. I mean, some to some degree. Yeah. You know, you could know in your heart, but like the children just don't know. And they, they have to go up and, and they have to go and grow up and get context and understand. Well, wow, mm-hmm. well, I'm not going to do that to my kid yeah I'm gonna make that you know like the you once you get con- you 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 get almost like blinded uh, like in the eye of the storm and you really have got to to traverse outside of that and be adventurous and and put your put your insecurities on the line and and do some self examination because you know who you've been doesn't mean that's who you're gonna be yeah uh, and I think that's ultimately where the you know where where some of the book is trying to say is you know you come from a certain place, yes you are this person, but you get new chances all the time to redefine yourself about who you're going to become. That's in the closing moments of, of the film, and and I definitely understand the themes of that coming through.
1: Yeah, and in, in a in a turnaround of all of that, like you said, in terms of getting some context outside of yourself, whether in his case for the first time, it was joining the military. Right. And I saw an interview with JD recently, and he had said the the interviewer asked him has your mom read this? Because Mama passed away, so she didn't read it. But he said, has has your mom read this? And he said, yes. And he was like, it was hard for her, but we've had the best conversations, the best conversations I've had with her in 15 years. That's amazing. Was from her reading it. Because he could see, like, I could see even from my perspective, telling her, like, it isn't all your, it wasn't all her fault. It was the inheritance of your family and what they did to you. There's still culpability. But like, that if if anything if nothing else came I mean the, he thought oh they printed ten thousand copies of this book he didn't think it was going to be this amazing right, true, be- yeah. second bestseller of twenty seventeen or whatever but like the fact that it Ron it Howard and future <laughs> film right it impacted his mom and now later they're having amazing conversations
0: from what happened before God that's so, beautiful so I confronting think, it I mean yeah. getting it out there opening up the conversation and look there is more that's beautiful. And I think that, like, um,
1: like I said, we come from these places. My mom is a school teacher and she had her co-teachers asked him to read this book, not mm, even necessarily for what some people might say is the controversial sociopolitical, what is it saying about the culture? But just like we're saying from the empathy standpoint, hey, maybe some of our kids who are coming into class have had this happen this morning or for right, the past nine right. years. Yes, And
0: what it's not about them Can learning you contextualize out. <laughs> right. for yourself their outburst mm-hmm. we'll, you know if there is there something going on here we don't know what's going on in people's lives and i think that this is this is one opportunity one one piece of material that's like hey <laughs> you know southern living poverty this is really complex material yeah. that is trying to really bring something to the screen that that just doesn't get screen time um and it deals with huge topics that can be offensive you're dealing with politics here you're dealing with healthcare. you're dealing with drugs you're dealing with <laughs> with, with you know culture. where government funds go you're doing a whole culture you know if you if they went into the religion which i think they should you know, if, if they had unflinchingly uh, uh assaulted all of these issues i don't know if it's i don't know if that fits into two and a half hours you know <laughs> like uh, so yeah. at some point, filmmakers have to make decisions of what, what this story is and what this movie can be. And you have to do the best you can of, of what really gets you there. And I think this one might have been just a bit too complex where people are a little too afraid to go. This is part of it. Yeah. And the that book is part is it. it's It's a nonfiction memoir
1: of a whole person's life interwoven with essayic right. vignettes of history and culture and statistics and like... How can that? You can it, It's it,
0: yeah. Maybe it was too much to bear. So, I and I want to say it's not. It's not the worst movie of 2020. <laughs> it's not. There's piling on here, and, and uh, that's just unnecessary because it doesn't help, and it doesn't help un- us understand what this movie was trying to say, where it went wrong, and how maybe we can get those ideas on the screen uh, next time. And so I did. If you wanted to find more
1: to this. There was a book that came out in 2019 called Appalachian Reckoning, A Region Responds to Hillbilly Elegy. So Ooh, nonfiction again, yes. but it's over 40 pieces of scholarship, prose, poetry, photography, Ooh, essays, creative yes. work. If you're like, well, this isn't my experience living there or my family didn't have problems with drugs, but this and or, you you know, if the film or the book left a sour taste I in mean, your mouth and you want more nuance or yeah. more context, there is such things
0: out there that exist. Oh. I, I think I wanted, I was trying, I mean, I, I genuinely wanted like the movie so much because like we said, we come from these areas and I saw so much of myself on the screen. Mm-hmm. I saw so much of my family on the screen and and it's not for a lack of trying. This isn't like they just went out and lazily just tried to, you know, oh yeah, <laughs> well, we can do this. I think they were intimidated by this material I, and, 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 and rightfully back. so. Yeah. yeah. If you're intrigued,
1: definitely check it out or read the book because there is something there for everyone, whether or not you agree with the guy's personal political views or with the way that he represents
0: people it's still worth understanding it's a big it's a discussion and i think it's a discussion worth getting in on uh and the movie just doesn't do it (laughs) um uh, unfortunately enough it could you know check it out it's not and again it's not the worst movie of 2020 but there's there's a lot going on here man uh and it's going to take another another stab at this to try to get to the soul of what's happening. Yeah. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Thank you so much, Taylor. This was incredible. Uh, reach out to us at Pod on Instagram. Let us know what you're reading. Let us know what you're watching. We do everything, anything, classics, new stuff. So we love to hear from you guys. And we will catch you next week.